1: Hello, everyone. Super excited to be here today. It's kind of a whirlwind being here today. But uh quick intro. My name is Alina Matson, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Glossford. And today, what I'm going to be talking to you about is how to start a game studio with uh, no experience. Uh, basically, two years ago to this date, I was in these... Uh, indie game business sessions, Uh, never made a game before, was not in the games industry, but I had that inkling for that dream game. And so I attended these sessions for free, watched pretty much all of them and thought like, I think I could maybe pull this off. Maybe I can start my own game studio. And that's exactly um, what I did. So this talk is very much designed for that Alina uh, two years ago. And uh, for the self-taught game devs, maybe you're working a day job in a totally different field and maybe you've never even made a game before, but you've always wanted to start a studio and make video games. Um, this is the talk for you and for those who do have experience with making and starting game studios, let's I want to hear your comments here in the chat. I want to uh, you know, any tips, advice you have for the other people who are watching now or in the future post them in and we'll answer some questions at the end too. Um, But first off, uh, what do I mean by game studio? And what is, uh, what is like, what am I talking about? So this isn't game dev for funsies. This is a game studio, AKA we're going to build a business, or I like to use the term startup a lot. So how to start a game studio games company games business. So that's going to be making the games, but also selling the games as well. So let's go ahead and take a look at the agenda today. First gonna go into a brief introduction about myself, then gonna dive into the parts of building your studio, starting off high level with um, going through what's your North Star, your mission statement, going into little bits and bobs of the components of running your game studio, and some tips and tricks along the way, and also talk about uh, my journey. And then at the end, we'll wrap up with those questions and comments. So I first got into gaming when I was around nine years old. My cousin was going off to college and had a challenge for me. He had a broken PS1 and said, Alina, if you can fix it, you can keep it. So I took apart the PS1. Turns out there was a chunk of cheese it in the disc reader of the PS1. So all I needed to do was um, clean it out, clean out the disc reader head and the PS1 was working. And so played a lot of Spyro, X-Men versus Street Fighter, and then also got into PC gaming. Um, loved the Barbie games on PC. Uh, sometimes those games get a lot of hate, but core part of uh, my video game journey. Later on, though, in life, um, I didn't even know game dev was a career option. I watched a lot of G4 Network 2 back in the day, but just didn't really know that it was a career I could pick. But I always loved objects. And so I decided to become a mechanical engineer. That's what I went to school for and moved from the Midwest to California to pursue my mechanical engineering dreams. And so um, the thing I wanted to work on was to build novel product that were solutions to fix people's problems. And so um, some claims to fames I had in my, my past life was I was on the team that built the world's first self driving grocery delivery truck, that orange thing there um, was on the team that built the concept for an airplane with hot swappable cabins. So if you wanted a Starbucks module in your next airplane, you could pop that into your airplane within 45 minutes. And then also uh, a founding engineer for a robotic manicure company. So it was really cool doing all that product development and consulting work, and I did that for several years. But yo, I was I was dead tired. I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, and I all I did was play video games. I stopped exercising. I stopped eating healthy, and all of that. So I'd come home around nine or 11 p.m. Uh, pop on, you know, Fallout 4. Played that till 2 a.m. Went to bed. Woke up at eight, and then started the whole thing again. Um, at the start of the pandemic around two years ago, I, I I was just getting really, really sick of it. I was feeling groggy. I wasn't feeling healthy. I wasn't feeling myself. Um, and so the f- first thing I wanted to do was figure out how can I just start exercising a little bit. So looked that exercise, YouTube, um, exercise, video games, and all of that. I got into Ring Fit Adventure, but It didn't stick with me. I had to set up my, I had a projector. I didn't have a TV. I had to set up the projector and the switch every time. And even that was just too much. I really didn't have the motivation to do much. And so this leads into what um, I was thinking about. So I, as a you know, startup mechanical engineering kid, I wanted to fix this problem I had. And then also that many other people had, which was starting to exercise. And so I was thinking, maybe I should build a device, a treadmill. Um, sorry, this, this all leads back to the game dev. Don't worry. And uh, doing uh, customer calls and research, I actually found out about this thing called fitness abandonment syndrome, which is. When someone invests in something like a treadmill and says, "I'm going to go running on my treadmill four times a week," and then when they don't achieve that goal, they actually rage quit and rage quit exercise. So hardware was not the answer. Um, I was thinking about like you know exercise and movement games. So I love dance, dance revolution, but it wasn't so much about that dance pad per se, but really about the game and so really started thinking about building a game and game development. So the dream game and the thing that really started everything was I wanted to make a exercise game for a low fitness gamer, someone like myself, to just get started exercising. So going from zero minutes a day to a few minutes a day. I wanted to combine the cozy and approachable nature of a game like Animal Crossing mix it with the exercise components of a game like Ring Fit Adventure, but then also make it really sustainable. So like a mobile app like Duolingo where you do it uh, every day. Um, When I had thought of this idea, I did not know how to code. I tried learning Unity several times over several years for funsies, never got the hang of it, but I could not stop thinking about this dream game fitment. Um, I'm gonna say something a lot of people are gonna probably disagree with, that do not make your first project your dream game. Um, in my case, I have to disagree because the dream game was really the seed and the catalyst I needed to like wake up, kick me in the butt, and start learning how to build a game studio and how to uh, build a game. And so, um, if you have that dream project, you know, keep it with you. Sometimes you just need that motivation to get started. Um. The next part I wanna go into with talking about your studio is you're gonna spend so much time and so much of your life dedicated to the studio, to your company. And so you just wanna make sure it is actually the right thing you wanna do. And um, thinking about this concept of having a North Star for your studio. So a North Star is basically your core belief system For your studio for your company um, that's going to help you answer fundamental questions give you mission and purpose and all of that. So some things I want to have you think about if you're thinking about making a game studio is why do you want to make games, but also why do you want to sell games. Um, Other questions. Do you want to be solo and work with contractors? Do you want to be solo solo? Do you want to have an in-house team? Like what does the structure of your studio look like? Um, And then also ask yourself those business questions too. Um, How focused are you on profitability? Do you want to become super hundred million dollar company or are you K staying small and this being kind of like your side hustle, side income? So As an example, to review Glossbird's North Star and a couple of our our goals and beliefs, um, first thing is our mission statement. So Glossbird, our mission is to create games, to create wellness for our players. And this is through lifestyle improving gameplay. And so as you heard from my story, like growing up, video games were something I always reached towards um, no matter how I was feeling. And so if I was happy, maybe I'd play one certain type of game, if I was sad, I play a different type of game, but video games were always there for me. And that's my contribution to the games industry is to create a game that someone can reach out to when they need a little boost of motivation for uh, physical health, mental health, uh, et cetera. Our next goal with Glossbird is, might've heard you know, games industry can be toxic. And so I wanted to make sure that with Glossbird that we're creating a safe and inclusive environment for our team and then also for our players. And then last one I wanted to point out is the business side is, yes, I do want Glossware to become a profitable business and to be able to support several full-time staff to continuously produce games for mobile and VR and AR. So, Think about your studio and your studio's mission. I wanna point out some other studio's missions to give some inspiration. And if you know these studios and their games, these missions, they, you know, they align so well. Giant Games. We want to make games that spark your imagination like the games you played as a kid. BioWare, creating worlds of adventure, conflict, and companionship that inspire you to become the hero of your story, that game company. Our hope is to expand the range of emotional experiences possible in video games so that they can be enjoyed and loved by people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Um, I'm harping on this a lot because I think it's just so fundamental for making a company, a startup, and being mission-driven. There's going to be times in your studio where you're going to have some tough decisions. Uh, We've been approached to add blockchain technology to our game for lots of money when we really need the money. But ultimately, we decided not to do that because that did not, uh, for us, did not do the mission of our game to help with fitment specifically, help motivate low fitness gamers to begin exercise. Adding blockchain NFTs, that kind of thing, we found like would not motivate our players. So it did not make sense to do that for the money. We've also had angel investors approach us, and ultimately, we had a pull out of that because they did not meet our um, community agreement and could toxic, and they were toxic, it could actively harm our team members. And so, um, with having these kind of core values, your North Star, your mission can guide you through some really tricky situations. So, This is not everything in a game studio, but I wanna point out some components of a studio. And so making video games is, you know, one portion of the studio. And that's, you know, the important part, that is the product that you're going to sell. But there's that second point, you need to be able to sell the game. So we'll dive into business models and stuff a little bit later. I'm not gonna touch on um, the making the games portion. There's so many great things out there. And maybe this is something that you already can do. Maybe you're the developer and you got this in the bag, you got the coding part. But also, thinking about making your game, start thinking about your team and like where you kind of fit in in this web of components of a studio. Um, I think a really big part of running a studio though is essentially producing the game or being the game producer. Maybe this is you, maybe this is someone else on your team. But to be able to make a game, you're gonna need to manage the game as a project. So there's gonna be a lot of project management skills involved, managing your backlog of tasks um, and breaking it down into a budget. And budget can be both financial budget and time budget how long is it gonna take you to make this game? Two years, three years, five years, how are you paying for it? Um, what are the milestones, etc.? cetera. Um, another big component is um, what is called product management or managing the actual like, game portion and managing the product itself. So this could mean documentation, managing your game design document. How are you uh, managing your your game economy? Those spreadsheets, all of those things kind of all tie up in here. Um, the next part about your studio is to sell your game. So you made it, you produced it, it's there. You gotta sell your game and you're gonna need to get customers and potential players. So that is all marketing and marketing is a huge part of running a game studio. Um, I'm not gonna touch too much on this. There's tons of great talks. The talks right before mine uh, talked about marketing, but I loved the way marketing was described to me by a mentor. Um, You can basically split marketing into three parts. Paid media, which is media that you pay for. So this is advertisements, ad campaigns, um, affiliate marketing, paying for influencers, That's one part. Second part, owned media. This is the media that you own, your website, your social media handles, things that your brand business games own. And then the third one, and the one that's, I think, really interesting is earned media. So this is media that you earn typically for free. So this is the YouTube review of your game. This is the blog post about your game, the influencer talking about your game for free. Uh, The game press, this is where public relations comes in. And so throughout marketing your game, uh, basically you can take these three components and they're going to be different ratios of these three components. Maybe you're not going to do much paid media at at all and you're really focused on owned media and then earned media, but it's going to be these three things. Next part of your studio here is the people legal infrastructure and this is really the business side. You're a business, you're gonna have to manage finances, you're gonna have to manage people, so human resources potentially, and uh, you possibly might wanna manage tools for your studio. Uh, Maybe your contractors are bringing their own tools, maybe they're not, and that's something you need to structure and figure out. And then the last thing I'll briefly touch on is um, branding and community management. So, your studio is going to have a brand, it's going to have its own website, and um, you're going to need to manage your studio's community, your super fans, and and think about that too. So, oh my gosh, there's a lot. There is a lot. And this is, like I said, this is only some of the components of a studio. I'm going to jump into the game production process. And so, if you are a new game dev, you never made a game before, um, seeing this overview really helped me. And so this is the process that you take for making a game from beginning and to end. So to walk through it, you normally start off with the concept of your game. And for the studio, remember, you want to sell games. So the one thing that I really want to highlight here is, yeah, you have the idea for the game and you have all that, but you really want to think about the market and um, how you're going to sell the game, the business model. There was a talk yesterday where the speaker said, don't. Say the term competitive research because gamers like to play similar games. They're not going to just play one first-person shooter, and that's it. They'll probably play multiple first-person shooters. So I really love the framing of that. But think about your friendly competitor research. What is your niche? How are you going to be able to sell it? Um, What is the marketing point? There was another great GDC talk of could you distill your game into a singular like GIF, JIF, and you know would that help you sell your game? And so all of that, once you have the concept done, you're gonna go into the prototype. And the whole point of this is to test, is your game fun or does your game fulfill the purpose? For Fitment, our exercise game, we wanted to test like, did the meta game around the game make sense? So Fitment was actually a narrative storytelling exercise game. We tested it and no one liked it. No one wanted to read. Stuff before exercising, and no one wanted to read stuff really after the exercise. They wanted to just do the exercise as quick as possible, get the rewards, and get out. So, narrative and that type of dialogue based storytelling wasn't going to work for a game. And so, we had to scrap the whole game and kind of um, start over. So, that's why this was so important. And you might have to do multiple prototypes. From there, you feel great about the prototype. We'll move on to the vertical slice. And so, if you imagine, um, you cut a slice of cake you got all the different layers the vertical slice is going to show basically what the, a piece of the final game looks like and so this is going to be around maybe 10 to 15 minutes of gameplay this is a demo there's going to be some final art assets in it or final lies looking art assets and this is the demo that you can take to publishers, to investors, and uh, for fundraising and maybe make a gameplay trailer out of it and do a lot with this vertical slice. From there, you're gonna move to the alpha phase, tons of development in this phase. So by the end of alpha, you're gonna be feature complete, which means all your uh, core systems and mechanics, basically all of that is done. You can play the game from beginning to end. But maybe your assets aren't done yet. Maybe not all the sound design is done. Maybe not all the uh, 3D models are done. And so assets are maybe majority done. In beta, you're going to finish that all, all your assets. You're going to optimize the game and get it ready for launch. For launch, um, different ways to launch, publishers, self publish, uh, whatever that is, you're going to do that. And then also think about post launch for your studio. Um, are there gonna be bugs you need to fix? Is there live ops? Are you providing continuous updates? Are there gonna be DLCs in the future? What about customer service if things go wrong or break in the game? So thinking about that. If you know this is something you want to get into and this is the part of the studio that you're gonna run, I highly, highly, highly recommend this book, The Game Production Toolbox by Heather uh, Chandler. Uh, One of my favorite books and has a bunch of tools and tricks and tips and everything of how to manage your game production. So we got to sell the game too. And let's think about the business model. Uh, I think the first leading question I would go into with business model is thinking about where is your game going to be played? If your game is going to be played on the Nintendo Switch, uh, you're going to have limited options for distribution, per se. But looking at this, and these can be multiple business models, so you might combine them. Um, We'll go through some of the basic ones for the games industry. The first one is the old school one box revenue. You're selling physical copies of the game. Um, I won't get into that too much, but that's, you know, right now it's still a thing. Next one, really popular one is digital revenue. So you're selling digital copies of the game. And so with that, there's different digital platforms you can use for distribution, Epic Store, Steam Store, other places. So thinking about that and also thinking of, you know, they take a cut of your revenue. And so how to manage the uh, budget for that. The next one, and this is the one that we're at, so we're making a mobile exercise game. So we are using the free-to-play business model. So the game itself, it's free to download and how we make money as a game studio is through advertisements and through microtransactions. So in-app purchases. The next business model is subscription. And subscription just means a recurring cost that your players play to either play the game um, or get bonuses in the game. So World of Warcraft or Fortnite Battle Pass could be considered a subscription, any sort of season pass. Another one I wanna touch on is maybe you're not selling the game, maybe you are selling the game, but you can also sell something else that is related to your game. And so I have a friend who's making a dating simulator game The game is free, but to support his studio, you actually buy the art book and you buy the soundtrack and you buy um, kind of other goods or services. I have some game devs, um, game is free, but it leads you into buying their course. And so you're selling something else on the side there. And then the last one, and I think the really hot one right now, is player to player marketplaces. And this is essentially when a player sells something else to another player. User generated content, normally, or maybe maybe it's a service. Um, you take a little fee out of that transaction, and so that's why you know the whole blockchain thing is really blowing up because with that you know technology of tracking things, you can you know take your little fees out. I think there's a lot of innovation left in this area, um, but a place we see that right now is the Animal Crossing custom clothes stuff. So you can buy, or people do it for free, uh, custom clothing um, in Animal Crossing and other players design it. So if you're attending this talk, you probably don't have experience in the games industry and neither did I. So looking at the components of the studio and kind of the things that we touched on, it's what do you want to do? What are you good at? And what are you willing to learn? I think are the three big questions. Not every component of this is going to be filled. If you're a one-person studio, um, you might not need all the HR stuff or some of the other stuff, but think about who is going to fulfill what, and you can start thinking about building your team, or who do you need on your dream team? Um, And then think about what you are good at. So that's transferable skills. So going into the next slide, like my transferable skills and what I did before was project management. I'm really organized. I'm really good at organizing. like products, stuff, specifications as well. And so, kind of my dream and my role on the studio and why I wanted to start it is essentially I want to become a game producer. Um, coding the game, I'm not, I did not know how to code, but due to not having a developer on the team, that was something that I was willing to learn to be able to start developing Fitment. And so, that's what I did. Tons of the really cool thing about. The indie game dev scene is that there are so many resources and you can learn it. You can learn production, you can learn the coding side, you can learn all of it. I would say like biggest tip for starting a company is just you need to be able to learn and learn quickly. And you can do that by grabbing one of the amazing resources out there. A first resource is other game devs, other real life people. This has been so so critical in my journey. I have met hundreds of game devs, so many of them have gone out of their way to help me. I'm gonna say the indie game dev scene is unique from any other industry because of the collaboration. In mechanical engineering, everything is covered by NDAs and secrets. I can't go out to someone and be like, hey, like help me with like it just it straight up just does not exist. Silicon Valley, so secret, like it's just It is not the same. This is one of the most collaborative spaces I've seen. So take advantage of it. Um, If you're stuck at home in your parents' basement like me, um, how are you gonna meet game devs? You can meet them all online. Uh, You can follow game devs that stream on Twitch. I stream on Twitch. Uh, You can meet game devs on different discords, the indie game business discord, production discords, other discords, and it'll also go to your local game dev meetup in real life too. Other big resource, uh, books. Books are amazing. Um, books, you know, take all that information. They're professionally edited and condensed down uh, to get all the information you need in a nice uh, ways. Um, ebooks. Look at your library. Can purchase books. Some of my favorite books I've used: The Gamer's Brain for UX/UI design, The Art of Game Design, and then if you want to look even some more business stuff, tons of great business books out there. Really love The Lean Startup, which talks about. Um, like agile uh, product development and project management. If you like something a little more structured, also tons of online courses here. So when I started, while I said, don't work on your, uh, or while people say, don't work on the dream game as your first game, while Fitment is my first game I'm selling, it's not necessarily my first game project. I actually got started by taking the six month Coursera uh, specialization, which went, into a lot of game development and coding um there's classes on udemy there's a bunch of free classes on youtube and on the business side same thing there's the y combinator startup school website that goes into how to start your startup business all of that next resource i want to touch on podcasts lots of game dev podcasts out there if you didn't already know indie game business here They have a podcast. They take a lot of these sessions and put it into the audio format so you can multitask Um, tons, tons of great content touching about all parts of game development and running a studio. It's fantastic. Nice Games Club out of Minnesota, fantastic podcast talking about games, all aspects of game making and game playing and Level Design Lobby, a podcast about uh, game design. The next resource I want to talk about that i wish was talked about more is accelerators and so an accelerator is a basically a program for businesses it's like summer camp it's like typically one to three months long they throw a bunch of small companies in there and they teach you how to run your business there's really big accelerators like uh the silicon valley y combinator that's gonna that gives you now half a million dollars and education to build your company. But there's also video game accelerators too, Free to Play Campus, Game uh, BCN in Barcelona, the iterative, uh, etc. So check those out. They're hard to get into because of number of applicants, but if you can get into one, um, it's it's game changing. And so we actually got into an accelerator. And so we got into the Free to Play Campus program. And this was a two-month program located in Vitoria Gastei, Spain, where they went And deep dived into specifically that free to play business model and mobile games. They gave us um, four members of the team in an apartment in Spain, three meals a day, and also uh, partially paid for our plane tickets to get over there. So that was an amazing experience. I actually met some of my team for the first time in person, which was wild because I'm based out of the Midwest US. And so to meet them across the globe was. Just like, it was, it was amazing. Um, But the program uh, offered just that deep level of education and and mentorship about all aspects of running a free-to-play business. So um, a studio, again, is a business and there's a lot of legal stuff about a business there have been some legal talks in the past on the indie game business sessions you can check those out on youtube that talks about legal and um, i'm not a lawyer so these are just some personal quick tips but there are video game lawyers out there if you need a deep dive into this but the first thing is as a business you need to be considered a business entity and this is to protect yourself so you as a person doesn't get sued your business gets sued or, you know, whatever could happen. And so you might, and this is from the American perspective, you might need to form a uh, limited liability corporation, an LLC, or if you're fundraising with investors, you might need to consider a C corporation and incorporated. So, um, and all these things, unfortunately with legal, a lot of the time they do cost money. So making sure you budget for that. With money, you're going to be dealing with money. So you're also going to need some sort of accounting, maybe it's QuickBooks online, Um, you know, maybe it's a separate like business debit card, some way to be able to track your expenses and do your taxes. Other thing, um, complying with um, employment law, and, and like the definition between employee and a contractor, all employees that work at your studio must be paid minimum wage. If you are an employee and not an owner of your studio, you technically have to pay yourself legally minimum wage. So when you hear in the news, like Mark Zuckerberg pays himself a dollar a year, that's technically illegal, you cannot do that. Um, It's different with independent contractors, though, or volunteers. So just be really careful about that. Other thing is you want to make sure you own your own IP. And so if you're working uh, for an employer or someone, you want to make sure your previous employer does not steal the rights to your video game. Um, You also want to make sure any contractors or anyone else you're working with doesn't take your IP. So having some non-disclosure agreements in place, etc. So be really careful there. And there's also a bunch of stuff with game compliance. There's the General Data Protection Regulation in Europe, Uh, California sometimes has their own special state compliance, um, having a privacy policy terms of service, Um, you're going to need all those things in place to be able to distribute your game. A great tip, though, because all of this does cost money is if you're um, in America, we have this thing called the Small Business Development Center. They're located in a bunch of different cities throughout the US. And so I go to my Minneapolis one, but they can help you start uh, your LLC and help you with the paperwork. So I got thousands of dollars of free legal service and advice from my local small business development center. So definitely go ahead and check them out. So uh, we've been talking a lot about the game, forming the studio, but there's other like really specific things I just, I wanted to point out that aren't necessarily straight up game dev stuff, but are still really important. Um, The first thing is having a website and a press kit in the early days, I, I regret this one. So as soon as you start publicly talking about your game, and you should definitely talk about your game in public to start getting your, your fans and networking and all of that, people will start asking you for a website. It's just the the first thing. Oh, what's your website? What's your website? And so having a website in place, I think is really important. So getting that set up, maybe you just put a piece of concept art, whatever, have a starting website there. And even in the earliest days, Um, we've had um, some bloggers reach out to us asking for a press kit and we didn't have a press kit ready. And so I wish we had that also ready and on our website. So that's like screenshots of the games, concept art, logos, whatever to help, help get that earned media for your marketing. The next uh, necessity is knowing how to pitch your game. Um, As uh, if you're running your studio, you need to be able to pitch your game to investors, to publishers, to potential players, all of that. And so if you're not good at pitching, unfortunately, I think this is a skill that you're going to need to learn and something that I'm trying to practice and do as well. The next necessity is knowing your studio's tool stack. And so these are the tools that your studio is gonna be using to operate every day. So for us, for example, we're using Google Docs for documentation and using Google Drive for files. Um, our game engine is Unity. Uh, we do our, since you know our thing isn't too complicated and our team is small for project management, we're using Trello, which are the little cards um, you can assign people and move around For internal communication, we're using Slack. Our team is remote and asynchronous. We work when we want. So we log into Slack and post our updates there. And for 3D models, uh, we use Blender. So a lot of these tools are, um, I think we're using like the free version of a lot of these tools. So you can get a really good tool stack and run your company day to day with a lot of great free stuff out there. The fourth one, and I want to dive into this a little earlier. So I said, Use game devs as a resource, but just specifically um, you can use outside help for maybe specific issues that you have and, and knowing how to find those people. So for instance, I was having a huge issue with just figuring out the Unity new input touch system. And what I learned was there was a YouTuber, uh, Samyam, who specialized in making tutorials about it. So I joined their Discord and then I was able to chat with them directly and they helped me figure out my very specific problem. So uh, reach out to specific YouTubers, uh, Twitch streamers, someone you know who's done something that you have an issue with and they can help you uh, debug something that's going on with your studio. Um, And then the last necessity is figure out a way to keep your fans updated throughout your game development process. Maybe this is Discord, maybe this is social media. Um, I also do a monthly newsletter to like, um, you know, potential investors, close friends and family, just to keep them like the behind the scenes uh, progress of what we're up to. And and this is just so we can build rapport and and keep everyone following along.
0: Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket.
1: Um, If you haven't heard this already, you're probably gonna hear this a lot, but Game Dev is a marathon. And the only way you're going to finish the marathon is to sustainably and consistently be able to work on your game. And for me, this meant creating a daily and weekly schedule. Right now, I am full time on the studio. So being, uh, you know, designing out my day to day and my weekly schedule is really critical for keeping me going so I don't sleep in or, you know, don't take too many days off and, and all of that. And so how I design uh, my day-to-day is I actually start with the highest level goals. So I look at high-level goals of the product roadmap, uh, and let's say our Q1 goal is to finish all the systems, finish development of all the systems. You can go ahead and break that down. So monthly, let's say all of our systems, you got to finish the inventory, the combat, and the dialogue system in the next three months. You can say, okay, January, I'm just going to focus on inventory. And a lot of the time, sometimes it's easier to block out specific features to focus on some, you know, a lot of the features are going to interact with each other, but usually you're more productive when working on a specific thing if you can like block out that time. So this is just an example, inventory January. And then um, I'm splitting it down into weeks. Week one, I'm coding up the class, the database, Week two, I'm working on the save and load system, testing it. Week three and four, I'm working on the UI integration and coding that up like a, I don't know, a search bar and tabs and a bunch of crazy stuff, drag and drop system. And then now break that down into what you are doing today. So I have a post to note of what I do specifically that day and just be realistic of what you're gonna get done in that day. So, these six things i'm going to do there's no way i'm going to get all six things done it's, if each of these things take a few hours maybe running the daily meeting is only 30 minutes like this is a 12 hour day and that's not sustainable for the marathon i want to work for me an 8 hour day and so figure out what you can remove from your day and if you know you're removing too much stuff you keep missing your daily goals that means your weekly schedule is off that means your monthly schedule is off that means your your time uh, budget is off, reevaluate that and reevaluate that with the team. This is your studio, so why design crunch in it when you can design crunch out of it? So, I started my studio formally last year, summer of 2021. And yeah, I have made a lot of mistakes, a lot of regrets, and wanted to talk to you about some of these. Um, The first one I want to talk about is the job thing, quitting your job and, you know, going full time on your studio. Looking back, I did not save up enough money for quitting my job. So essentially what I did is I, I quit my job. I had a part time job lined up and then the part time job wasn't making as much as I wanted to. And essentially. I. Also, misbudgeted the contractors I needed to have. Um, it just things, uh, you know, first time producer, my estimates were totally off. My budget was off. So I had to go back to work. And then I quit my job again. And, and I, I'm kind of doing a round two of that. So looking back, um, I think the big thing is uh, knowing when to quit your job. When can you work on your game? If you are working full time, that's fine. But when are you going to work on your game? Are you working on it? every day from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and then in budgeting so budgeting for yourself but then also budgeting for I need to buy these assets I need to buy these tools I need to get contractors etc the next big lesson learn Um, I'm a pretty resilient person but oh my gosh this adventure has been so emotional you're gonna have some really high highs and you're gonna have some really low lows. And so always manage your own mental health and make sure that you feel safe and you feel secure. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. I've, I've had some slumps. I've had some moments where I felt really burned out. I got out of those things, but I could have gone into this a lot more um, prepared. The next thing for me was the refactoring time. So um, as I said earlier, I was a new game dev. I uh, was going to be the primary developer and coder of the project. And I was learning to code at the same time as using the project, using Fitment, the exercise game as the thing I was working on. And so, okay, yeah, I was budgeting my time like, oh, I'm really slow. I'm like five times slower than an average developer. It's going to take me this long. The thing I didn't consider was because I was a bad developer, I'm going to have to refactor a bunch of stuff in the future. So it took me five times longer and I had to redo a couple of systems multiple times. And I did not consider that. uh, I know that now, but some of those things. So consider your skill level and maybe the skill level of your team. And if you got to redo stuff, you're going to have to redo stuff. So put some buffer, put some major buffer in there. Next one is to learn to communicate cross-functionally. As someone with no games experience, I did not have the jargon, the lingo, the vocabulary to be able to communicate um, with some of my team effectively. I like There were some meetings where I was just like trying to describe of something I wanted in a 3D model and no matter like how I described it, it was just not getting through to the team member and it was because of my language. And so at the end, you know, figure it out. And maybe you got to learn com- like communication tools. Maybe you got to doodle everything. Maybe uh, you, you have to act out more. You're doing animation work. You got to film yourself through the video because you're describing the animation that you want isn't good enough. So figuring that out. As something that really helped me learn to communicate cross-functionally to other team members is watching uh, technical talks and like the GDC talks. I watch those talks. I learn how these people, these amazing experts, how they're talking about the development process and like pull out, you know, certain terminology that they're using and um, start using that same terminology with my team. And then the last thing, uh, talked about team a lot. I think finding your team is really important. Even if you're solo, you are likely to work with contractors or or someone maybe working with a sound designer or someone and it's really important to find your team i think this is where your north star and your mission can really come in place for me it was really important that everyone who contributes to fitment our contractors our teammates that they believed in the core of the mission and then they also went along with our community agreement and so we have when anyone joins our team at glasberg we have an agreement of um you know our communication policy and making sure that we are respecting others and all of that to create that safe and inclusive environment so yeah i mean there there are so many other things and mistakes i've made so yeah but that that, that's just some of them and that is a very brief intro of how to start your game studio with um, no experience, uh, make
0: lots of mistakes.
1: Make yeah, <laughs> you're gonna make so many mistakes, and you really have to figure out how to recover from them. But if you want to chat with me, uh, hit me up. I'm Alina likes cozy on all the different platforms, and feel free to check out our game uh, fitment on early access on iOS and Android.
0: I don't see your Twitch channel on there. Your Twitch oh, channel's not I for- on there. I
1: forgot to put my little icon. I'm also Lena likes cozy on Twitch, so I stream Game Dev a couple times a week. And, and she can- comments
0: on all of these uh, conference ch- talks.
1: <laughs> I I love these talks, these talks have been so essential to my knowledge.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we have a bunch of questions for you. Cool. Um, it's good that you ended a little bit, uh, uh, that you didn't go 50 minutes because, okay, let's see. We're going to ask a whole bunch of Joker of Aces questions. Joker of Aces have a bunch of questions. I'm yeah, start. yeah, let's do at, it. At the bottom. Excuse me. When you finally figure out how to do something correctly and quickly versus the great amount of time and effort in the first tries, how do you mentally handle the frustration of lost time due to not learning enough the first time?
1: yo joker i i have experienced this so many times especially with the the refact i refactored our inventory system like two or three times so i i feel that um at the end of the day uh this is a journey and so part of your journey is making mistakes and you're just gonna have to accept it. you're constantly learning to make games producing games selling games and it's okay um for the future, because you will make another mistake, add some buffer to your schedule when you do your kind of schedule planning, add add some buffer. And if you know you're really bad at something or your teammates really bad at something, add add some extra buffer.
0: <laughs> if you know you're bad at something, take that into account, right? Yeah. Or you don't know. Everything is learning. It doesn't matter if you get it right or wrong, Right. Well, you know what you learn the most when you get something wrong right it's like when you mess up make a mistake do something wrong if you don't learn something from it then you've wasted your time then it's a waste of time but if you learn something from it then it is not a waste of time it's super it's it's like a blessing for yourself it's amazing so okay another question from joker how do you schedule the learning process It can be quite the rabbit hole, especially when you or your team members are beginner and are learning the necessary skills.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing is having a schedule. So for me was the online courses. I really like the online courses because uh, the Coursera one, that one did cost money, but they had weekly homework assignments. So I had to finish the freaking game dev homework by a certain time. And I just, um, I'm a big Google Calendar person. So I, I just put chunks of time. I typically was studying eight o'clock to 10 p.m. Um, mm-hmm. in the evenings.
0: I love my Google Calendar. I'm a Google Calendar person are, also. Yeah. And then I have multiple email accounts and they all interconnect and then it's all, like everything is different colored. And then I have also for, I work for a charity and for charity stuff, I have a Trello. Right. Oh. And Trello is amazing. But I like, you know, I feel like when you put in because you can just have like this is the to do and there's like a list, you know, but I feel like if you put in just a little bit of extra effort and you put images and you make your background nice and you have yes. a theme where it's pleasant for you. Yes, it's a little bit of extra work and extra love to put in. But it's like it's like putting excellence into something that already works. You know what I mean?
1: hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Uh, freaking frack game says it's nice to hear someone else has made the same mistakes I've made.
1: Oh, (laughs) uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is going to be so many mistakes. I'm glad to also hear you made some of the same ones I made.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of like when you make a mistake and you just kind of feel out there and alone. But it's like if somebody else is going through that same kind of stuff, it kind of gives you a little bit of comfort, right? It's like, oh, I'm not the only one that did this Terrible thing, right? Or dumb thing, or what, you know, did it because I lacked knowledge or I hurried or whatever, right? Okay, so here we go. Joker, for websites, should it always be a custom domain or for smaller studios, would a free web hosting site be all right?
1: Yeah, I think this is a money question. So, um, custom domain is going to look more professional and all of that. But um, that's maybe another thing you want to think about is if you're going super serious about this, you maybe want to trademark your stuff. And then you probably want the custom domain and that kind of all comes together. But you know, if you're just getting started a free website, I think is fine for now. But it's Yeah, Uh, it's it's the money. It's the money thing for sure it is
0: And, and but like, there's a bunch of services where you can get like a year and you own the domain and it's super it's it's pretty inexpensive, right? Um, And then you can have like, you know, even GoDaddy has like a free website builder, you know, Mm -hmm. it it looks pretty cool. I mean, it looks like GoDaddy stuff if you know anything about web building, but, you know, it it can be pretty flashy as well. And then I think it's like having a Gmail. I love Gmail because when the zombie apocalypse would happen, that's the only thing is going to be left is (laughs) Google. So having a Gmail is important, but also like if you have your name at your own domain, that looks really pro. Mm -hmm. but it's all up to it's about money right is it worth it is it going to cost you do you got the money do you have the budget all right here's another question how do taxes work for a game studio and if you make no profit due to long time development do you get any tax breaks due to the wages bills software subscription etc from solely investment not profit
1: yeah um so we uh, are still developing our first game so we are not We are not profitable. Um, We're not really generating revenue right now. Um, And so, how taxes work is you will get a tax break on a lot of what you're spending, which is why um, tracking your expenses is really important for us. Um, I don't even think I qualify for a business credit card. So, I have a business debit card on a free business banking website called Novo, and all my expenses are tracked that way. And so, Expenses wise, I think my expenses come to it's, it's quite a lot. It all adds up maybe a few hundred dollars a month to run the studio. And that's um, having the Adobe subscription, the website domains, um, some other stuff and that what it, it comes down to. And so you're going to probably also want to work with an accountant or, you know, a QuickBooks, some sort of tax software to be able to just go through the steps and, and figure that out.
0: And you can find some good accountants that don't charge you an arm and a leg. I've been, I've had my accountant for, how long have we had Weldon as our accountant? <laughs> how many? No, it's been longer than that. <laughs> since 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 I worked on the game, The Silver Lining. I guess, yeah, I guess it has been 10 years. And wow. he, is, he is like, we, LLC, our personal taxes, um, and we don't pay. He, he's very reasonable, like under a hundred bucks, right? And uh,
1: oh, that that's a really good rate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a really good. Way. You know what? I'll hook you up later. I'll, you know what? Any, I'll give, I'll give, I'll, I can give you people his email. I'm sure he is an actual accountant. I worked on a game with him. He was a producer of uh, the Silver Lining, which was a free to play game that was it's like a point and click um, ode to Gabriel Knight. Um, but I, I can t- I can hook people up with that. Um, Oh, what was that noise? Um, so we also write off electricity, internet, right, cell phones. I mean, a portion of your electricity, right? Because I have this office. This is my home office. So a portion of my electricity, a portion of this, a portion of that. Travels, uh, it can be a portion of food. You don't, you can't, you shouldn't abuse that though. Like work food, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. But yeah, tax breaks and tax write-offs yeah that and that's always my excuse for buying something but it's a tax write-off right i got it i got a nintendo it's a tax
1: research
0: right it is (laughs) it is every video game i bought is a tax write-off and like you said like i have a business credit well i have a credit card and all of my business stuff goes through that or through paypal so it's really easy for me to Mm -hmm. and you do you are supposed to have receipts and stuff so it's really good to keep your receipts if you get audited um but there's like there's lines like if you i can't remember the exact amount if it's if it's something under x amount of dollars then it's not so important to keep a receipt but if you're buying something that's hundreds of dollars you definitely want to keep your receipts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just good to keep them all i just take them and cram them into like an old kleenex box and then this one <laughs> okay so this is will this fit okay this is no oh, they will fit in in scotland we get tax breaks for money spent on development wages. If we spend it in Scotland, we also can claim tax breaks for further development sections, depending on factors that change each year. Also, if you hit that high tax bracket wages for people, make sure to offer the use to buy things for them instead of a company perks as they are non-taxable here too. Oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, Here's uh, too much tomato. Can you ever have too much tomato? Um, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the talk. Do you have any tips for staying focused on high priority tasks when bouncing around between so many roles in development, marketing, business, dev? Exc- oh my gosh, wearing many hats.
1: All the hats. Um, kind of going with designing your day to day is time blocking. So, and I use Twitch a lot to do that. So I stream about three times, four times a week, and that is pure game dev. And so game game dev days are you know Monday through Thursday. Fridays are uh, for us fundraising days. So I'm solely focused on, you know, pitching emails and like getting that all set up. So really blocking out your day because if you are switching back and forth, back and forth, like there, there's just like no way you're going to get it done. So block out your week.
0: Because you're in a groove on one thing and then you all got to switch over to social media and then over here I'm switching to the, yeah, Google calendar, right? For some kind of schedule for sure, for
1: sure i
0: also use something called a uh, time tracker toggle track t-o-g-g-l track and that uh tracks time and mm-hmm. then it, it's like oh i spent x amount on this i spent x amount on that and, and it kind of helps okay let's get up here we have enough time for a few more questions and okay. we have some from discord uh where can you find accelerators you can apply to and how do you prepare for your application
1: Excellent. Yes. Um, to find accelerators, it's uh, as simple as a web search, a Google search. And so that's how we found ours. And um, you don't need to apply to just video game accelerators. If you think you have, accelerators are businesses because a lot of the times uh, they take some equity out of your company and then give you money or, or there's, there's some sort of equity deal a lot of the time. And so be Mm -hmm. careful of that, but also it means they're looking for profitable businesses. So you can apply to general accelerators, Techstars, Y Combinator, all the ones in the States, um, and then also video game accelerators. Uh, To prepare for them, um, every accelerator is going to have an application process. Um, You're probably going to need a pitch deck. A lot of them ask for a pitch deck. So get ready to make a 10-page slide deck to do that. Um, Sometimes they need a video of it and then be able to answer fundamental questions. What is your business model? What is your game about? What is your two-sentence elevator pitch? Blah, 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 blah.
0: Blah, 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 blah. That's, <laughs> the, that's the best answer. Okay, let's see here. There's a lot to do when starting a studio. And we just kind of covered this, but if you want to go into more detail, how do you manage your time so you have time for game dev, growing your studio, and business development? Let's say, that, yeah, go, can you go into more detail about that?
1: yeah, um so I I know there's gonna be some solo game devs out there, so I don't want to discourage you, but I think having a team really, really, really helps. And so if you have someone on your team to do the things that they are good at, um, that helps a lot because I think one of the big things for me that was really challenging in the early days was learning and then doing it and the learning took up a lot too much time I originally was planning a learning blender and doing all the 3d models myself and then I decided not to do that and mm-hmm. figure out how to fundraise to hire proper uh, 3d artists and so um, that's another thing to think about is how does your team come into play as well as doing all your calendar stuff and being organized
0: find somebody that uh, <laughs> smarter it. than you yes. and uh, knows it better than you right yes Okay. How did you decide who you needed on your dream team?
1: Yeah. Looking at that component of like game dev stuff, it was the things that I did not want to learn and the things I was bad at. So like I said, uh, 3D artists, I did not want, I don't know anything about sound design. I needed uh, a composer on the team to do our music. Um, I'm currently the developer, but we do want to hire a lead developer post fundraising. So thinking about that um, marketing, uh, hiring, we need people that are good at marketing. So we've had um, marketing interns that run social media pages. And so um, the dream team was what am I bad at? Um, and then also budget too. Um, we can't afford the dream maybe the ultimate dream team of 10 full-time staff and mm-hmm. that's okay. And then at the end uh, I think culture fit and like that mission that North Star is also um, really important. Everyone on the team or everyone who's contributed to the project so far um, has at a core really fundamentally believed in it.
0: I think it's important to not do what you don't want to do. Because that will ruin it, right? Don't put on your resume a skill that you have that you don't want to get hired for. Right. Right. Like, so I'm a 3D animator and I took a bunch of rigging courses. And because I wanted to do this rigging and stuff. But after I took the courses, I'm like, I hate this. Mm-hmm. I am not putting this on my resume at all. Okay, here we go. Do, 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 do. This one. What are some recommended grants? for game studio startups in in the US.
1: Awesome, Um, I don't know too many off the top of my head. Again, this is all web search and you should post this question in the Discord here in Indie Game Business too. Um, But I think like the IDGA has a grant, Um, different um, underserved uh, developers get grants. I know there's some grants for like Code Coven and Women in Gaming grants. Etc. Um, there's even like state business grants if you're like small business grants too. So we've applied to those for state of Minnesota, and that's can be grants from like ten thousand to twenty thousand um, dollars. So yeah, get get creative in your grant searching, even beyond games too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's inter- it's entertainment grants or media grants. Yes. It can be all kinds of things. Uh, here's a good question. And and I know the answer to this, too. If you do not have a business trademarked LLC or website until after you buy the tools for the business, assets, software, subscription, music, et cetera, can they be seen as business expenses?
1: You should take this one.
0: <laughs> um, As a sole, pro- I'm going to, I can't answer that specifically, right? But I'm, I'm was a sole proprietor before we got our LCC and I had write-offs, right? Because I worked. Here's the different thing. I would get a uh, 1099 form from whoever I was contracting for. So I don't know the answer to that. So I'm going to say that I don't know the answer to that. I know from my experience, but I was working as a contractor for another company, but I Mm -hmm. was a sole proprietor. Ask an attorney.
1: Uh, yeah, I wanted you to answer this one because I wasn't sure either. Okay. if If you don't have a business in place, I think you are automatically categorized as a sole proprietor, which is another mm-hmm. classification.
0: But I would research it first because after I read the question out loud in my and then and I was like, well, maybe I don't have that answer. <laughs> uh, what do we got here? do uh, do. Some of the, oh, here we go. Here's, here's an answer from Joe Saputo. Some of them, yes, can be a write-off. Not all of it. Like an LLC cost can be a write-off. Only the first year. Mm. Interesting. I did not know that. Question from Discord. You mentioned mentors. How did you find yours?
1: Yeah, I found a lot of them through uh, the internet, uh, really. And so... Google? Uh, Google uh, Discord, the Indie Game Business Discord. Um, someone who's been awesome and and is uh, here today. Um, I read Heather Chandler's book, the the game. Uh, oh my gosh, it's so great! I have it right here. I, I absolutely like love this book. Um, reached out to her and she was able to help a lot in the early days. Um, there's going to be other uh, industry vets. Reach out to people, cold email them. Heather on wrote a book?
0: I didn't know that
1: this is like my favorite book of all time
0: heather can i get a signed i don't know if she can hear me can i get a signed copy of your book please heather that's awesome no go ahead show that book off okay. yeah
1: re- research um people you really respect in the industry uh reach out to them on linkedin or discord or where they are and uh you know try do a coffee chat with them can i talk can i pick your brain for well, don't say i can't pick your brain for 30 minutes because that sometimes is annoying but like hey i have a list of these questions are you willing to chat um 30 minutes and shameless heather involve. plug on
0: the stream I know. that's what that's I what jay just said all i know oh you didn't hear it oh <laughs> she's all what did she say good things good things. i can see all the backdoor chat <laughs> that's amazing and we're so happy that heather is with indie game business it's amazing she she is awesome she's an she now that i look back on it before she came on things were just like all over the place now that heather's here it's like bam these and we're like you got all of this done like a month before we're like we're doing stuff all the way up until the last second heck yeah he's amazing <laughs> well nobody heard it she goes i didn't i didn't hear it but i saw her showing the book on camera that's funny <laughs> that's funny All right, question from discord. What were your startup costs to set up the company and start working on the initial prototype?
1: Yeah, um, let me try to calculate that out loud. Um, I used the Small Business Development Center to do the LLC. I got NDA templates and I also got contractor templates all from the Small Business Development Center. Um, The cost to file the LLC in Minnesota, I think was like a couple hundred dollars. So a couple hundred dollars there. I also did do get the domain in the website, so that's, uh, 30 bucks a month. And then I did unity free, uh, blender free, and all that was essentially free to get started on my own, on my free time. So in total, maybe 500 ish dollars, us dollars.
0: That's amazing. And also it's like, it's pretty much start where you're at right yeah so many people are like i have to wait to get a better computer and i need other monitors i'm like if you have a junky laptop that can barely run mario start with that right make a game that will run on that just start there
1: mm-hmm, totally uh,
0: doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo. this one how did you evaluate your publishing options
1: um because specifically for our title we are a hybrid fitness app slash mobile game uh publishers actually did not really like us Uh, we had a lot of talks with publishers and we used powell consulting group as well to see if there were publishers out there um after just not getting the go from publishers we are we have decided to self-publish and also we're fundraising and looking for equity investment from investors venture capitalists, angels
0: excellent let's see do we have any more questions hide current comments i don't know if we have any more questions excellent i am just uh that was exciting
1: great questions everyone Yes, those are amazing
0: questions amazing questions so can you Because I'm sorry, I missed the very first part of the stream. Can you talk a little bit about what your app does and and what it is?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Fitment is a cozy exercise game. So think Animal Crossing mixed with Duolingo for exercise. So you do a couple minutes of exercise a day and then you earn coin to be able to uh, collect new characters, new items, and decorate And then we're going to be soon adding a team mode so you can do team challenges and team up with your friends. So this uh, game is designed to help motivate people to start exercising a few minutes a day.
0: I'm going to get it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> thanks we're so pretty early on in the development process but we're uh build in public essentially so mm-hmm. that's why we stream on twitch we post our updates on discord there's a lot of bugs but let us know the bugs let us know your suggestions um we're very, a very community driven game mm-hmm.
0: so Candonians asks is there any anywhere i can go is there somewhere i can go to get a pitch deck sent out to me um, well, are you talking about the pitch decks from this to- this convention? We are going to send them all out at the end to people that registered for the convention. And if you didn't register, it's free, indiegame.business. Oh, no, for an investor. Is there a pitch deck that uh, he-, he can get for an investor?
1: um so there's services that can help you with that but a lot of the time um investors they either have form on their websites or you have to cold email them and so you can send your deck uh uh through through that um
0: yeah or are you an investor and you want a pitch deck okay he wants Candonia wants for you to send your pitch deck because they are an investor Oh,
1: if you're an investor, we would love to send our pitch deck Oh, to
0: you. there we go. There we go. Well, you know what? What you can do is you're both in are you in the Discord Candonian? I would imagine that you're in the Discord. You're in the Discord, right? Alina? Yes. You're in the Dis- Okay. Yes, I am. We'll get in the Discord server. What is your uh what if you want to post your Discord name in the the comments, or can you even see the comments? Oh, uh, I
1: think I can. I don't know if I can post, but I'm okay. Alina likes cozy and uh Kandonian. I will find you.
0: Okay, Alina likes cozy. That's amazing. Wow! Yes, she's on. Yes, I knew. Yeah, this. This pitch, it was good. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, I have the game queued up over here. I'm going to install. Actually, I'm just going to click install because I want to check it out. Thank you. Install. Last year December 1st. That is definitely my phone. And then I got to login and everything. Wow. Put a message in general chat and Discord. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Who do we got coming up next? Let me have a look here. We have um, the value of community building with Sam Gee. That's going to be amazing because, you know, I'm a community guy. So everyone just hang out and we'll be back. And then we have uh, three more talks.